Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. What did the tortilla chip say to the cheese? It's nacho business. Why did the farmer trade cow manure for goat poop? It was a dung deal. Why was the math teacher such a good dancer? She had algorithm. If you just read the bio for Dr. Steve, host of Weird Medicine on Sirius XM 103 and made popular by two really comedy shows, Opie and Anthony and Ron and Fez, you would have thought that this guy was was a bit of a, you know, a, a clown. Why can't you give me? The respect that I'm entitled to! I've got diphtheria crushing my esophagus. I've got Ebola virus dripping from my nose. I've got the leprosy of the heart valve exacerbating my incredible woes. I want to take my brain out and blast it with the wave, an ultrasonic, echographic, and a pulsating shave. I want a magic pill for all my ailments, the health equivalent of Citizen Kane. And if I don't get it now in the tablet, I think I'm doomed and I'll have to go insane. I want a requiem for my disease, so I'm paging Dr. Steve. Dr. Steve! From the world-famous Cardiff Electric Network Studios, it's Weird Medicine, the first and still only uncensored medical show in the history of broadcast radio, and now a podcast. I'm Dr. Steve with my little pal, Dr. Scott, the traditional Chinese medicine provider who gives me street cred with the weirdo alternative medicine assholes. Hello, Dr. Scott. Hey, Dr. Steve. And we've got Tacey, my partner in all things. Hello, Tacey. Hello. This is a show for people who had never listened to a medical show on the radio or the internet. Or the internet. If you have a question that you're embarrassed to take to your regular medical provider, or if you can't find an answer anywhere else, give us a call at 347-766-4323. That's 347 Yeah, give us a follow at uh, Weird Medicine on Twitter or at DRScottWM and visit our website at drsteve.com for podcast medical news and stuff you can buy. Most importantly, we are not your medical providers. Take everything here with a grain of salt. Don't act on anything you hear on this show without talking over with your healthcare provider. All right, very good. All right, Dr. Scott, what the hell? I like it. What the hell? I should get that drop. <laughs> what the hell? All right. I like it. All right, check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. Don't forget to go to stuff.drsteve.com. That's stuff.drsteve.com for all of your weird medicine and uh, Amazon needs and uh, check out, oh, if you want, oh, look, it is the season, right? So if you go to stuff.drsteve.com, you can go straight through to Amazon, but you could scroll down. And if you have a guitarist or a bassist in your um, entourage and you want to buy them an inexpensive gift, but it's cool AF, get them the roadie guitar tuner. It's robotic tuner. 
you just um, hold it up to the key and then pluck the string and the dang thing will spin it. It'll also uh, string your guitar for you or unstring it. So it's pretty neat. So check that out at stuff.drsteve.com. Or if you want to go there directly, it's roadie, R-O-A-D-I-E, dot drsteve.com. Check out Dr. Scott's website. As I said, it's simply herbals.net. And check us out at patreon.com slash weirdmedicine. Uh, I think we're going to have some fun over there, do some slightly different things. I'm going to try to do a live stream one of these nights just to test it. Tacey, I've got some new software. Okay. And if that works, we'll do that. Okay. And then uh, if you want me to say fluid to your mama for Christmas, then or holi- or Kwanzaa or Hanukkah or any other holiday or just for the hell of it, uh, go to cameo.com slash weird medicines. Cheap as hell. I just do it for fun. It helps buy me ham radio stuff. That's all that that goes into a fund, and all ham radio purchases come out of that. And I'm really wanting this antenna. So if you guys would do some cameos, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I need some new finals for my transmitter, don't you know? All right. Sure. Check out Dr. Scott's website at simplyherbals.net. That's simplyherbals.net. And I uh, did want to say um, happy birthday to our uh, uh, network no. founder, Carter no. Electric. It's no. his birthday today. It is not. It is not. <laughs> it most certainly is. No, it's not. All those other times that I said it was his birthday, I was and just kidding. And that's what you've said all those other times. I was just kidding. You're a big, fat liar. Now I'm telling the truth. All right. You got any medical questions, Dr. Scott? Uh, no. You have some articles, though, that you want to I do, do have some articles. Uh, there's one that I'm very interested in about a chronic illness that we have no really legit treatment for right now, and that is Huntington's Korea. So go, my friend. Yes. So um, cellular housekeeping process implicated in fatal neurological disorder. Okay. So neurons um, that made from Huntington's disease patients and skin cells shed light on some cognitive decline. And as you said, Huntington's is a is a is a uh, devastating um, brain disease that that is genetic, yeah, passed down through. Yeah, and that's why we don't yeah. screen for it. Yeah, and it's because we don't have a treatment for it. So if you're going to screen for it, you're just telling people, "Well, you're going to get it." Then yeah. you know they live their whole life wondering when the when it's going to start. You know, the sort of Damocles is going to. So uh, it is a choreiform illness, which means it's a movement disorder, mm-hmm. and they get involuntary jerking or writhing movements. And the writhing movements, the people who are watching us on camera can see it, but it's kind of rhythmic writhing. Like if you were making, how could I explain it? Like uh, let's take your right arm and uh, make it look like a snake on the ocean. You know, uh, up and down in the surf and side mm-hmm. to side and up and down and round around. That's that's what Korea is. Yeah. Okay. And they get rigidity, muscle contracture, and all kinds of problems. And it is um, ultimately fatal. And it's, yes. it is rare. Fewer than 200,000 U.S. cases per year. But still, you know, that's out of 350 million people. So let's say, what, uh, half of those are adults? It's still a lot of people. It's a lot of people. people. And devastating to families. Oh, absolutely. Because typically it does wipe out a couple in a, in a family. It's, it's yep. awful. Mm. Um, but it looks like at the Washington uh, University School in St. Louis, or, or School of Medicine in St. Louis, they're doing some research on um, on what exactly is going on and, and how possibly the aging triggers a loss of, you know, crucial process of, of um, the... the, the um, the, the dying process of these these cells in the brain. Okay, so here's the thing: if one of the reasons we can't fix it is we don't know what causes it. I mean, mm-hmm. we know it's a genetic disorder. We know what gene it is, mm-hmm. but um, just like uh, ALS or amyotrophic lateral sclerosis, which you know, just recently they sort of found the the mechanism for it. Once we know the mechanism, we can target it. Right. With drugs or other treatments, so we need to know what the mechanism is. So go ahead. Well, and, it, and it's talking about it's it does the Huntington's disease destroys a specific type of brain cells called or uh, medium spiny neurons, um, which do cause the involuntary muscle movements. So they're uncontrolled involuntary muscle movements. Yeah, I think and what mental they actually do those neurons actually um, 
uh, inhibit those movements. The movements are always uh, there, but they're inhibiting them. Gotcha. When gotcha, you take gotcha. them away, then they're not inhibiting them anymore. And typically, they they show significant cognitive decline. And yeah. And typically, once they you get to diagnosis, it's kind of a maximum twenty years. Is, is what twenty years? Yeah, that's what they live about twenty years after the signs of the okay. disease that first appear. Oh, okay. First gotcha. appear. Yeah, I'm not okay. saying that after they progress. Okay. So it's pretty incredible. Um, so what? So what does this story tell you? Well, I'm scrolling down. Oh, <laughs> oh for fuck's sake! Hey, okay. you, you're the one. Okay, well, I'll temporize. So it's autosomal dominant disorder, which means that you only have to have one copy. So if you have, um, um, okay, let's do big H, little H. Okay. So you have someone. That has big H, little H, meaning that they carry the copy, but they have Huntington's disease. Right. And they mate. Well, you look while I'm talking oh. to the. Well, we'll you, you look up your thing while I'm. It's, I'm not educating you. Make sure that your you. math is correct. Right. Okay. Well, that's fine. <laughs> and then they marry somebody that's little H, little H. Gotcha. Okay. So the first kid will be big H, little H. The second, or you know, there's this two by two box. You'll have big H, little H, big H, little H. And then on the next two boxes will be little h, little h, little h, little h. So, so that means 50% of their kids, you know, the kids have a one in two chance of carrying the gene and therefore having uh, Huntington's chorea. So uh, that's a tough one. A lot of those people decide not to have children because, the, uh, you know, we don't have a treatment yet. Now, you could say, well, surely to God in, you know, 30 Years will have a treatment for it, but you know people have been saying that for a long time. So what'd you find out? Well, so what they did, they they did from what I've gotten so far down this. It's a big article, but they they compared older uh, um, people who had gotten Huntington's with younger people, yeah. and what they hypothesized that there has to be some sort of a, a change as the as these kids age yeah. and grow into older people. And what they found is that if they can, and it. The bottom line is what they're doing with this is is they're going to start doing genetic alterations to these messenger RNA um, cells. Uh oh, messenger RNA. <laughs> um, that 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 hopefully will stop the um, the uh, the changing of these cells that develop into into this Huntington's disease. So how are they going to do this? Um, by modeling different stages of disease across the lifespan. Oh my God. They identify roles in the disease onset. Hell, I'm reading as fast as I can. I swear. I'm That's okay. Well, it's okay. So it's. Well, but this is not like a normal article because it doesn't have a conclusion on here. So normally I get down a conclusion. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You normally could just read the abstract. Yep. And uh, pray that it reflects it's, what's in the article. Exactly. But, um, <laughs> so it's caused by the, an expansion of these sort of things called cytosine, adenine, guanine repeats. And what those are, those are that's genetic material that um, expand, uh, you know, I guess most of us may know oh, that sorry. you've got, you know, four nucleotide bases that form the code that makes uh, DNA and RNA, right? Okay. And then the only difference is there's uracil instead of one of them in the, in the RNA. Anyway, you... Um, and it's been a long time since I took that, so the geneticists are screaming at their radio. I, it's fine. Both of them. Yes. So right. Or, or if one. If there are, or some student in high school that just took this, but anyway, these these things code for all of our proteins. And if you ever want to see something really cool, uh, Google, uh, or, sorry, uh, go to YouTube and search for 3D animation of transcription mRNA. It's the most amazing thing you've ever seen. Mm -hmm. These little tiny machines in all of our cells that are just stamping out proteins yep. with this uh, crazy mechanism. Anyway, um, I did uh, uh, go over that mechanism on our YouTube channel once. You could search there for that if you want to see it. But So anyway, you can get these expansions of these repeats where these these three signals will repeat endlessly and what it does is it just screws up the protein generation for that that gene is supposed to be uh, coding for 
and you get a malformed protein or you get no right. protein at all, right. and then this happens. So. Yeah, and, and I read a little further on it. And what they're doing is they're trying to interrupt that, that initial process so that the, maybe they the can— expansion. Yeah, they can turn it off so that it doesn't expand, so yeah. that it doesn't develop into this full-blown Well, that'd season. be awesome. Yeah, and, and, and Dr. Stephen, <laughs> at the bottom, they're talking about what they're hoping is they can actually use this to uh, help with other neurological diseases like um, Alzheimer's. Hmm. And and possibly ALS and things of that nature. Well, they always say that. Well, we do, so you know yeah. we get this breakthrough and perhaps it will you know whatever. Yeah. We'll, I'll believe that when I see it. But I I would like to see it. Heck I'm yeah. not going to root against it. That's for sure. No. So all right, that's good stuff. Yeah, good it's crazy. Stuff. What else you got? So um, may so really what Scott could have said and we wouldn't have wasted eleven minutes <laughs> is they uh, can't they made a breakthrough in treatment for Huntington's Korea. Stay tuned. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. So, but that's so good. I'm eloquent. glad that, you know, people are still uh, investigating this and we're moving forward. Yeah, shoot, yeah. Um, the, um, well, here's the one that had my attention. It was the shocking study that finds nose picking could increase risk of Alzheimer's and dementia. Yeah, I like this one. This one's important. Yeah. No, it is. <laughs> it is important because, you know, it's interesting, but they're showing that, that uh, there, there's so much research going on with Alzheimer's right now. But um, the, at Griffith University, scientists have demonstrated that bacteria can travel through the olfactory nerve in the nose. And into the brain in mice, where it creates markers that are telltale sign of Alzheimer's disease. Wow. And guess what the name of this bacteria they were studying? What is it? Chlamydia. What? Really? It's not trachomatous, though. No, pneumonia. Okay. Yeah, chlamydia pneumonia. Um, it's yeah, a bacteria. Chlamydia trachomatis is the one that causes the STD. Yeah, well, I, there are lots of different chlamydias. Yeah, well, yeah, lots of chlamydia. That's like lots stupid effing chlamydia. I know it. It's just chlamydia is bad, period. I don't care where you have it, if it's in your nose or your nuts. Brain chlamydia. It's just bad. Talk to your grandmother who's got <laughs> Alzheimer's. Say, well, you got chlamydia in your brain. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that won't go over super great. But um, yeah, what what they're saying is that with this, that uh, maybe that's what's wrong with your mom, taste. Maybe <laughs> she, is she a chronic nose picker? <laughs> yeah, of course no, she is. no, I've actually never seen that. No. Mm-hmm. She's a so she's a closet nose picker. So this is actually a <laughs> well, uh, so yes. picking hairs, pulling hairs also increases the risk too. If I remember reading this article mm-hmm, correctly, mm-hmm. so <clears throat> um, because that. Creates a uh, another pathway. Yeah. Well, the stupid vac- viruses and bacteria figured out that you know a really easy pathway into the brain's olfactory nerve. Well, sure. Because it can bypass the the blood brain barrier. So it's a pretty because pretty it's wired end. directly into the brain, it's straight in. Yeah. So the olfactory nerve is the nerve that uh, we use to smell with. Yep. And it has all these chemical sensory apparatus on the end of it. And uh, depending on how those things are stimulated, you experience that as a smell, which is really amazing. It is pretty wild. And uh, the reasons dog snouts are so long is their olfactory nerve is longer than ours. Mm -hmm. And so they can pass a lot more information along the top of their snout uh, to determine uh, distance Mm -hmm. and uh, much more uh, sensitive analysis of the smells that they're smelling. And apparently they can tell what direction it's coming from. Yeah, it's incredible. And we went, we went for a hike through the woods um, yesterday, actually. My, my, and there's so many leaves in, up on the mountain, it's really hard to see the path. Mm-hmm. But my golden retriever, she's got her nose to the ground. And I just she's smelling it. people's she, feet, and, and where we've yeah. been down these paths before. Yeah. So heck, I don't. I'm just looking around at the leaves and the trees, and she's just. Isn't that something? Takes me right through the woods. It's incredible. I remember we did a horseback ride thing, and the horse, our horse, was so used to doing the, um, the path that we were on that mm-hmm. it fell asleep. <laughs> and it just, you know, we just walked the whole thing, and when we got there, the horse person said that. That horse is sound asleep. Just <laughs> Are you walking. Yeah, yeah, that's what they said. Oh my gosh! <laughs> they can just—they get so bored they just go to sleep. And oh, I'm back at the barn. I wonder <laughs> how that happened. <laughs> oh my gosh, that is funny. Well, the bottom—the the, take-home message here is that um, p- picking your nose hairs and 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 um, 
you know, picking your nose and plucking your nose hairs. Is so what not, should you? Is not a good what idea. should you do instead? Uh, some simply herbals nasal spray. Okay, uh, I don't one. disagree. Uh, number two, Navage. Yep. Navage is one for clean out that that crud in there, but don't but don't mess with the. Uh, Give yourself a bill. Yeah, don't mess with that that endothelial lining. It's a little, little it's a little tweaky in there. Well, yeah, it's not really endothelial lining in your nose. Oh, it, it's it, it, oh. No, it's a mucous membrane. Endothelium. Exo, it, it, endothelium exo, is on the inside, the inside of exo, uh, yeah. okay, blood sorry. vessels. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just don't mess with yeah, the mucous pick membrane. Yeah, don't pick it. And, uh, mucous membrane. You, uh, yeah, so that is a good advertisement for the Navage, yep. which yep. I still think better for $89 or whatever yeah. it is, that's the best under $100 thing I ever bought. It's better advertisement for <clears throat> for the Simply Herbals, but, you know. Yeah, well, I'm biased. Do both. <laughs> do both. You, you can right. carry the Simply Herbals in around, pocket you can around get yeah. at Dr. Scott's stupid website. <laughs> and you can carry that in your pocket. And then when you get home, you do the Navage, which you yeah. can get at stuff.drsteve.com. Wash it out of your old noggin. <laughs> That's a good thing. You can right. lose weight while you're doing it, too. Isn't that interesting, though? So do they really have data that shows that people who pick their nose, is this just a hypothesis? I think it's a hypothesis, Well, yeah. what does it say? Did they actually do a study? Or oh, hell, they... I didn't read it far down. Oh, for no, I was just in, I was just enjoying. You want to start okay. sending the articles to to, to me? Would you read them? And then, I might. Uh, know a little bit it would more be worth them. a shot. I'll retired. send some to you. Huh? You're retired. Your 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 dance card is full. Okay, let's just look up if there's a correlation between dementia <laughs> and nose picking. Are we still on? Yeah, we're you? on. Oh, you're not even. Okay, pausing? this is a mouse study. Suggests a surprising link. Okay, so you did say that. Yeah. That they so they had data in mice. Is what it was. They what they do? They go in there and then pick the nose of the mice Aww. with a little tiny little tiny mouse finger thing. <laughs> and then, yeah, so we're the first to show that chlamydia pneumonia can go directly up the nose and into the brain, where it can set off pathologies that look like Alzheimer's disease. Okay, yeah, very good. Saw this happen in a mouse model. Evidence is potentially scary, potentially scary for humans as well. Stop saying shit like that. Scary is not a scientific term. No, it's not. That is a clickbait, go fuck yourself term. And uh, whenever I see that, and I wonder if this neuroscientist said it or if the journalist kind of, you know, just changed a word or two in there when they're quoting this person. Anyway. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. Is it, though? I think it's good stuff. Okay, you got anything else? Um, No. Well, I've got that one from Bacterial Sensors, but I'm just going to tell you, I didn't pre-read it. (laughs) (laughs) So you can start raising it. Why do I send these things to you? (laughs) Well, hell, I don't know. All right. That's fine. Okay. Here we got got a quiz question. We do have some questions, though. All right. Well, we got this one. Dr. Steve, hope you're well. Hey, thanks, man. Oh, really? You too. I don't care. Okay. Anyway, Casey! <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Scott. What's up? Yeah, anyway. Anyway, uh, quick little question here. How much saliva does a human body produce in 24 hours? There you go. Ta-da! Now, that's a great question. So, uh, one person suggested to us, Tacey, that on our Patreon show that we do like a quiz and we could have questions like this and then, um, you know, have listeners, you know, compete for prizes somehow. I don't know how the hell we would do it, but this Mm -hmm. is the kind of question I like. Okay. So it's an excellent question. because I don't like those ones that they do on those morning zoo things. Well, 26% of people said this. And then it's just luck. Who the hell knows? You know, what what that and the fuck that could possibly be. But this is, you, you could guess this. So let's express it in liters. With, and, you know, if you're not a metric type person, you know what a two liter bottle holds. So that's two liters. So we're going to express this in liters. Scott, what do you think? Sounds good to me. No, I mean, I like how much? How, okay, good. How much saliva do you think you produce in a day in liters? Mm, a half a liter. Okay, Tacey. Doesn't it, isn't it different uh, depending that, on the day? Okay, I'll give you that. Give yourself a bill. So give us an average. I'd say 
Um, don't don't take too long. <laughs> a quarter of a liter. <laughs> a quarter of a liter. Okay, let's see if anybody in the uh, exam. I like Scots, but I didn't want. Oh, you like Scots? You like Scots? Well, Damn it! Uh, I'll, I'll, t- I'll say a liter. I wanted and a to half. be different. Okay, so, so Scott said 0.5 to 1.5 liters. Give yourself a bill. That's exactly right. That's exactly the range. It's 0.5. Well, that's a good guess. To 1.5 liters per day okay. of saliva. That's a lot. Of spit. It is. So let's just say that the median is like one liter. Ooh, can you imagine just spitting all your saliva out into a Pepsi or a Coke? Well, there yes, are. I can. Two liters. Can. Yeah, he. <laughs> I did di- Copenhagen for years. <laughs> he dips. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, dip, I spit most of it out. Yes, that's true. So, yeah, that's probably why he was so good at estimating that. Uh, someone that hasn't ever dipped probably would have trouble with that. Uh, also, uh, there are some people that have to spit everything out because they have an obstruction oh, yeah. of their uh, esophagus. And saliva will get down in there. It's got nowhere to go, so they just start having to spit it out or drool or whatever. Or people that have uh, head and neck cancer that causes the uh, salivary gland to be wide open instead of coming out the salivary duct. It's just leaking out into the mouth, and sometimes those people will spit out all their saliva as well. But, yeah, so if you sat there for two days, you could fill up a two-liter with saliva. And then I would pay someone $1,000 to drink it. That's gross. Mm. Try it right now. Anybody that's listening to this. I'm uh, sure they're running running to get one. Now go get a spoon. (laughs) Just get a tablespoon. And let the saliva drip out of your mouth onto the spoon. And then when that tablespoon is full, then just stick it back in your mouth. It was there just a second ago. Or you could just watch TV. Why is that gross? (laughs) If you're bored. But it is gross. It was right there. Swallow right now. You're swallowing that same saliva. And that's not gross. But if you spit it into a spoon and then try, ah, try to put it in your mouth. It makes you sick to think about it. Yeah, it's pretty gross. Just saying. That is gross. You know what else is gross? I made homemade sauerkraut, <laughs> and I'm almost I'm nervous about trying it. <laughs> so I got this fermentation thing, which is really fun if you're going to do uh, make hot sauce. Making fermented hot sauce is the way to go. Mm-hmm. And it's just you ferment it in brine and <clears throat> peppers and cabbage and other so things. kimchi. Yeah, right. Well, yeah. do you like kimchi? I'll make you some. No, I like kimchi. I like doing it. I don't know if I'm going it to like to eat it. So, geez, your That's fine. It, no, it won't. I have I have the thing, and uh, so they all have lactobacillus on them, and lactobacillus will ferment peppers. It's not like using yeast mm-hmm. that we do for fermenting, say, wine and beer. Right. You're using bacteria, and. Uh, the peppers will ferment in there for a week or two, hmm. and then you puree them and then put them in a food mill and get the liquid out. And then you take the liquid and have, measure it. Say it's a liter. Then you would put 0.4 of a liter of um, of um, vinegar, okay. you know, like apple cider vinegar mm-hmm. in there, and then add, you know, salt to taste. And you've got the best hot, hot sauce you've ever made. Hmm. And uh, so I got this thing. It's like, well, now, you know, I've fermented all my peppers. Now what? And so I made some sauerkraut. And you, it's just cabbage and salt. That's it. Huh. And it's got to be the right concentration of brine. It's 2 to 3% brine. And, um, and so, but I've got uh, the fermenter uh, uh, lids and everything. So if you want me to make you some kimchi, I'll make it for you. Because I am kind of all about fermenting right now. I don't know if I want to eat it, but I'd love to make it for somebody. <laughs> and it is probiotic and all that kind of crap. It's lactobacillus. It's yeah, good for you. Good for you. All right. Where, why was I talking about I that? I don't have any idea. <laughs> I don't remember. Fermenting Started something. out with slobber. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And, I don't he, and de- devolved into. Yeah, I guess it was just other things that I don't want to put in my mouth. <laughs> Maybe that's what it was. All right, let's do this one. This is a very interesting question. You ready to take some questions? Yeah. Number one thing, don't take advice from some asshole on the radio. Thank you, sir. Got another little weird question for you here. I don't know if you want to call it scientific or what, but I heard a study the other day that if you're drinking with a and you're using a chaser. Yeah, well, no, a mixer. That if you use a Diet Coke, you will get 
alcohol, you'll get drunk about 20% faster than without because of the aspartate. Is there any truth to that? I That's an interesting question, and I admit at first thought it was probably malarkey, but what do you think, Dr. Scott? You guys got any opinion on this? Because I do have the answer. I would say... With your answer, I would say it's true. Yeah, yeah. right, right, right. But exactly. my gut, my gut would have said, "Why?" Yeah. My gut would have said, "Hell no!" I know it just seems stupid. No, right? no chance. Yeah, yeah. So it turns out that the body recognizes sugar as food, and that slows down the rate of alcohol absorption into the blood. Whereas diet sodas, that which include a, you know have aspartame in them, the body doesn't treat that as food. And the alcohol gets absorbed faster. And you will notice that if you drink a diet soda, you're going to get hungrier and you're probably going to eat more because hmm. the and I'm not saying that you should drink sodas. No, Just don't no, drink yeah. something that fools your brain right. because it is sweet enough to fool your brain into thinking calories are coming. And then it's going where the where the hell are they? Where are the calories? Hmm. And then it starts generating these, uh, you know, uh, hormones that stimulate your appetite, increase absorption of things like alcohol and stuff like that. So it's pretty wow. interesting. Yeah, actually, I would have never guessed that. Yeah, they did a study on this. And uh, people who drank diet soda as a mixer had higher alcohol levels that increased more quickly and peaked at a higher level compared to people that mixed it with regular soda. Again, another good reason not to drink sodas. Right, at all. <laughs> Just don't drink them at all. Yes. Isn't that crazy? It is bizarre. I can't think of the last time I actually had a, like a... No, and it's like... Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I I'm low carb, yeah. so I'll just drink a neat whiskey. Mm -hmm. And if I drink beer like I did in Rochester with Sean and those and them, you know, forget it. You end it. up not, standing on a table and screaming at Yeah, a screaming band. MF at the band <laughs> at the top of my lungs. The good old days. Yeah. So sad good I old days. that. Good old days. It, Where October, was two weekends ago. <laughs> or when was that? When was the two when was the roast taste? It wasn't about long a month ago. ago. Yeah, it was about no. a month ago. Yeah. About anyway, a month ago, yeah. So. <laughs> I love it. I'm just sta you know, just standing there in front of the band, just you know, doing the I get you know either the fist or the devil horns oh. and screaming. Fuck, so fuck, ashamed. Fuck. Oh Lord! <laughs> There's just no reason for no. it. Nope, he's out of control. <laughs> nope. But anyway, but so and I, I blame it on the carbs and the beer. <clears throat> the uh, you know, if I'm drinking. Uh, uh, just whiskey you know, or bourbon, I'll just have one and I'm fine and I'll just sip on it. Uh, but, you know, I, I ask places, do you have diet mixers? Because every once in a while I wouldn't mind a vodka and diet tonic. Right? No place ever has that. They have, well, we have Jack and diet Coke. It's like, I will not. That That's monstrous. Yeah, no thanks. No thanks. Anyway, okay. Nobody cares what I think mm -hmm. about that. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home, and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way, and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good, and then a bang in the night, and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home, and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. You can host the best backyard barbecue. 
when you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. All right. Here's a Jim and Sam question. Hang on. Not sure what this is. I just want to say I think Jimmy is, I love Jimmy, but I think he's wrong when he says the Beach Boys Pet Sounds is overrated and Sam is right when he says, and it's Jim is wrong about that. Thank you. Okay. All right. Dan from New Jersey. Yeah, Dude, you know who else agrees with you? The Beatles. When Pet Sounds came out, they were freaking out because they they were, I can't remember what album they were working on, but they, I remember reading uh, a biography of the Beatles where when Pet Sounds came out, they were huge fans of Brian Wilson. They were like, can we ever do an album that's as good as this? Mm. And the answer was, a resounding yes. yes. Time's <laughs> up. But it's interesting bunch. that they it gave them pause. Hmm. They felt like their number one competition was Brian Wilson. So just just a quick synopsis. What what the hell is this guy talking about? Pet Sounds, the album Pet Sounds. No, but why is, what, what, what's the same thing? Jim and Sam. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what he's talking about. Jim and Sam. It's the show that yeah. it's the flagship show of this channel. Right. And you wouldn't know that because you don't listen to anything. No, I only listen to But uh, hippie I, music. I listen so. to this in the Grateful Dead channel. It's about yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I listen to this show on Saturday night. So it was Opie and Anthony yeah. on um, the, it wasn't the virus. Was it the virus when it first, it was high voltage, right? High voltage. Then it became the virus. Then it became Opie and Anthony. And they moved over to Sirius when Sirius and XM merged. Merged, right, okay. And then it was Opie and Anthony, and then Anthony got the old heave-ho, and uh, it was Opie Radio, and then um, Jim and Sam said, hey, we'd like to do the morning show, and Opie was nowhere to be found, apparently. This is what I heard. Mm -hmm. This I've never talked to him about. And they kind of slid in and got the morning show, and Opie went to mid, was it middays or early afternoon? I don't remember. I, I don't can't remember, remember what you're talking about. And, and then he had his own show with Carl Ruiz and Vic Henley and Sherrod Small, and then Jim and Sam became the morning show, and then Opie got the heave-ho, and now it's Jim and Sam. And okay. I, and it's still called Faction Talk because it was Jason Ellis's channel at one point. Mm-hmm. But Jason is long gone, but it's still faction I talk. I can see it now, the Dr. Steve channel. Yeah. No. Mm-hmm. The Weird Medicine channel. I, you know it. Weird Medicine channel. Woo-hoo. I would love that. Well, they were always, Do you, don't you want to go to Dr. Radio? It's like, hell no, I don't no, want to go over God. there. Bunch of hacks. Well, I don't have any history with them except saying things like that. Oh, I'm sure they would welcome me with open arms. After <laughs> As I've they should. Sh- I've shit on them for 17 years. <laughs> oh, Steve, you know they don't have any idea they that you even Well, sense. they would, yeah. though. They Somebody would us. tell them. They could kill us. Anyway, so that was a Jim and Sam question. <laughs> All right, here we go. Hey, Doc. Derek Hello. from Texas. Hey, i got a question for you. Derek, wait. I've had some kind of upper respiratory cold. T- Derek from Texas. Can't be the same one. Hey, Huss. Okay. This is Derek from Texas. You remember him on Howard Stern? Mm-mm. It was uh, Eric, Eric the actor, when he got kicked off, or he said, I'm never coming on here again, or he got kicked off or something, and he called in as Derek from Texas with this <laughs> horrible pseudo-Texan accent. Didn't fool anybody. It was just his way to kind of get back on the channel again. It was funny. Anyway, let's start this over again. Hey, Doc. Derek from Texas. Hey, i got a question for you. I've had some kind of upper respiratory cold-type shit for like three days. Yeah. Terrible coughing and shortness of breath and wheezing. Yeah. And my question yeah. is, where does... I wonder what that could be, but anyway. That wheezing and shortness <laughs> of breath and that rattle, where does that all come from? And, Excellent question. And what entails all that? Yeah. Dr. Scott, you want to take a sh- shot at that? Fluid. <laughs> yeah, that's that's true. Causing, okay. that's causing the rattling yeah. and the it is and yeah it's so the virus or whatever is in your airways is causing inflammation in the airways which causes fluid yep. and mucus to accumulate because that's um, that's the body's response to this thing is put fluid there because 
white blood cells can't float around on air, mm-hmm. right. <clears throat> and they can't go through and dried out tissue or solid tissue, so they need a little fluid to move around in. Mm-hmm. So exude some fluid in there, and then what happens is, is you get an, an accumulation of fluid in the tiny little airways. You have these big giant airway mm-hmm. up here, and we say big giant, but it's really what an inch, in, you know, maybe an inch around in uh, diameter. And then uh, it divides, and it divides again, and divides again, and you keep dividing. A few times, you now you're in microscopic territory, right? <clears throat> and uh, you get a little bit of fluid in there, and then you're passing air past that. It's like the flatus flute. When you uh, pass air through a little orifice like that, it'll whistle. And if you right. ever really want to hear true wheezing, um, it sounds. Or if you ever hear true wheezing, it's not the upper airway kind of no. like that. It is. <clears throat> it's if you put your ear up to someone or use a stethoscope that has asthma and they're actually wheezing because all of their airways, the microscopic airways are constricted. It sounds like, um, you know, like what you would imagine hell to sound like, you know, a choir of just evil entities all screaming at the same time in in different pitches. That's what it sounds like. Um, Which is completely different from... um in the, the hearing fluid in the lungs, where you'll hear right. the, where you actually hear the gurgling and and mm. sometimes nothing at all. That's right. Know, and something so wheezing are, so are the tiny little airways, and we get constrict, brought, you know, constriction of the airways, and then there are ronchi, which is basically what Scott's mm-hmm. talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. Those are, and then you can have strider, which is up top. That's when you've got narrowing of the trachea, and you get. Uh, uh, Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's Strider. Yeah. So uh, let's see if we can find some audio of wheezing here somewhere, uh, because I'd love for you guys to hear that. Yeah, here's index and expiratory wheezing on meds. Cool. Let's see if this is cool. And when you really hear that, that's a recording of a recording that's going through a bad microphone or a bad stethoscope. So it sounds even uh, crazier than that. Now, you can also have crackles when you have um, thin, not mucus and not narrowing of the airways, but just fluid collection in the lungs that can happen with congestive heart failure. And when you take a deep breath, you'll hear like cellophane. Mm -hmm. And that's pretty interesting. Crackling. That's right. Let's see. Ronchi. Let's try ronchi lung sounds. See if we can hear that on here. Is this fun? I don't know if this is fun. In this let's video, see. we're going to discuss the ronchi lung sounds. Oh, sound. yeah. Let's talk sort about it for 20 minutes before we do it. <laughs> there you go. Here we go. Those are pretty severe ronchi. I was going to say, they, if, you've, if that's you, that's, that's a problem. You're a mess. That is a hot mess. Okay, and then he's got crackles in here, too. This video, we're going to talk oh, about. Okay, that's enough with you. Let's see if we can get. That's crackles. Really, when you really hear it, it sounds more. It's very difficult to record from a stethoscope and make it sound like what you hear in your ears, mm-hmm. but uh, it just kind of sounds like crank, crinkling cellophane. Yeah. Yeah. So lots of different sounds. Like there's many, uh, as sands in the hourglass, so go the sounds in our lungs. Yes. All right. Okay, let's try this one. Hello, Dr. Steve and Dr. Scott and anyone else who's attending today's podcast. (laughs) I have a question. Yep. I had an MRI on my knee. Okay. And the results are two. I have arthritis under the kneecap, and I also have pseudo-gout. What? Uh, The doctor recommended I have physical therapy, uh, drain my knee, and then have some steroid injections. Uh, so, what are your thoughts? Thank you very much. Bye bye. Okay, you want to talk about the? Okay, I'll, I'll talk about doing the yeah. the drainage and the injection, but you talk about this in general. Yeah, I'll start first. Okay, so so the, the arthritis under the kneecap is usually called chondromalacia. There's an inflammation of underneath the patella, and as you move your knee, it hurts. Patella being the knee, the kneecap, right? Um, <clears throat> the pseudogout feels like gout, looks like gout. 
Not not actually with the gout crystals in there. Yeah, but they can't diagnose that with an MRI. You have to pull out fluid, fluid and look at the again. crystals. Well, I hope people are drinking today with or this because they're going to be drinking. You do blood tests looking for thyroid or parathyroid issues. Right, right. Yeah, it kind of makes me wonder about the diagnosis of pseudo gut if it's something else. Yes, I'm know? very yeah. that I'm skeptical yeah. of that. But other than that, okay, we're so we're okay. So let far. me give you a real quick, real quick piece of advice. Number one, when yeah. you, any kind of knee arthritis, knee pain, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. <clears throat> a hamstring stretch, getting the leg nice and long is the best way to lower, even if you have a baker cyst, which is a fluid buildup behind the, behind the knee, getting a good long hamstring stretch is really important for the health of the knee because it increases <laughs> blood flow, number one. Number two, exercises where you, where you do leg extensions. So like if you're sitting on a bench and you put like an ankle weight on and you extend your leg up, it causes a shearing in the knee, and it's really the worst exercise you can do. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. The ones where you're – so if you go to the gym and yeah. you're sitting, sitting in the in, chair holding on right. with with uh, two hands, right. and then there's weights right. on there, and on. you're putting the thing on the front of your foot, right. and you're extending your leg. Yeah. You're worst, saying those are bad. The worst thing you can do for arthritic knees. Yeah. The best thing you can do, they're called straight leg raises. So just you extend your leg straight out, and then you lift it straight up. So you're not bending your knee, but you're strengthening your quadriceps. And the other thing is just the simple quadriceps being the, the, the big the big muscles in the top Thank of your leg. You. Give your thigh. And um, <laughs> so, so the osteoarthritis. Doctor Scott's people, the yeah. jargon master. No, no, God, no, okay. no, no. But what I am is a I am I am a knee expert because I've got two arthritic knees. Yeah, yeah. But the key is really blood flow. And then and then the last thing I'll say real quickly is is that um, arthritis. If it's gout, pseudo gout, whatever, really be careful what the foods that you eat because you can have inflammatory foods. Mine, what irritates my knees, believe it or not, is chicken. I haven't eaten chicken in 10 years, and I, my knees feel like almost normal. Um, hmm. For whatever reason, like shrimp affects gout, chicken affects my, my arthritic knees. How did you so find that out? Just we quit. I just quit. I started but you have, be, gout, but be, you have be, gout, though. Do I know? You have gout. Yeah, I do have gout, so, but I just went on a vegetarian diet. And, I mean, I'm telling you, as soon as I quit eating chicken within one week, I had no knee pain. Hmm. None. Interesting, yeah. It's crazy. So the way that we have classically diagnosed gout and pseudogout, besides you get a blood test that shows that you have uric acid right. elevation, then you can make the diagnosis of gout. Um, you, or a 24 you take out urine. the crystals yeah. and you look at them under the microscope and you use a polarizing light. And gout crystals are yellow when they're parallel to the axis of the polarizer. Okay. So yellow urate parallel to the axis. The mnemonic is UPA, Y-U-P-A. And um, that, that's, the, that's how you, you know, the, this is uric acid. If it's anything mm. else and it, the connection, um, sorry, the, um, the syndrome is gouty, then it's, it's most likely pseudogout. And you can make that diagnosis again by uh, being yellow urate or yellow uh, um, perpendicular to the axis. So anyway, and then there are blood tests, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think they need to make a better diagnosis. But so to take the fluid out, if you have an effusion in your knee where there's fluid in the knee, which you can see and you poke on your knee and it goes because it's it's enlarged and it's and it's fluidy. Then it's very simple process to uh, draw the fluid out. Now, I I used to do the lateral approach. There are some people who do an inferior approach. So I would have the person uh, laying down on uh, the you know the stretcher or whatever you know the table table plant, thing, plant, and <clears throat> uh, put their leg at just about ninety degrees, and I'd feel around for certain landmarks, mm-hmm. and then on the I, outside of the knee, right? on the outside of the knee, yeah, right, the on the outside, thing, yeah. the lateral part of the knee, Mister Big Word. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> so on the outside, the outer part of the knee, the yeah. part that's facing me, right, and then um, this is a joint. So this is a sterile procedure because mm-hmm. if you inject bacteria into this and you get it infected, they're going to be pissed and they're going to be worse off yeah. and it could be catastrophic. So uh, you would treat it like a surgical procedure. So you wear a mask, glove, sterile gloves, do sterile prep, and then you take a, an 18-gauge needle. And I always would use a, a anesthetic 
and steroid, so two different kinds of anesthetic and a steroid that had a long-acting and a short-acting steroid in it. And um, I would get the need, you get the needle in and then inject. So if it goes in easy, you know you're in the right place. Mm-hmm. The uh, numbing medicine, mm-hmm. okay, it, it, directly into the knee, and then you draw out the fluid, or you, you know, and you go, well, aren't you just drawing out the the cortisone? And now that I think about it, yes, you are. Yeah. So that's not how I would do it. I would aspirate first. I would at, draw the fluid out yeah. first, and then put the medication yeah. in at the end. I'm an idiot. It's been a long time since I've done yeah. that. So, uh, and sometimes you would get, you know, we would have these hundred ml syringes, mm-hmm. and which is a tenth of a liter, and you could fill that sucker all the way up with this really sort of beautifully amber, clear fluid. Wow! And then you would. Um, uh, yeah, unscrew that, screw the one on that had the medication in it and, and dump it in there. And a lot of the times the, the anesthetic would make them feel better right away. Now, you got to tell them mm. you feel better, but mm. don't go jogging mm. because it just feels better. But they would get instant relief and at least walk out of there with uh, less pain than they came in. Yeah, with, well, let's, so. but, but it can be a little bit of an uncomfortable procedure when they're sucking up fluid out of there. Yeah, but it feels good. Though. Pressure back in. Yeah, it feels good though yeah. because you're drawing off that you know that knee knee feels the pressure of that mm-hmm. fluid, and uh, you got to select your patients right. You're not just drawing fluid off anybody. You mm-hmm. want to get the ones that have a nice big tight effusion. Fluid, yeah, with lots and, of fluid to pull out. Right, because the more fluid you pull out, the better out they're going to feel. And it feels if you pull out ten. And, CCs are gonna be like, well, right? Yeah, what the hell are you doing? No, I you just emptied out my joint space, and now it's (laughs) bone against bone, but or cartilage against cartilage. But we would, um, uh, they would almost always feel immediately much, much better. Yeah, you move their fluid; it does feel better. So that's how you do. Been there, done it. Now the inferior approach: you have them sit on the chair, and and their leg is at ninety, the knee is at ninety degrees, and you can go from below. Yeah. Up into the so, joint yep. space. Yep. yep. Hey, we've got two two quickies if we have time. Yeah, sure. On the as chat long room. as I can answer them. Yeah. Oh, we, you can't. I trust you. You think? Unless you got another one. You ready for this? No, one? no, no. I've got a million of them yeah. over here. So, Diesel Child, he's he's he says do. And, and, oh, so tell this this guy. Yes, do. That sounds like they're yeah. doing the right thing. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's doing the right thing. Yeah, but but really work on stretching that yep. hamstring, getting blood flow through that knee. Gotcha. And that's the best okay. thing to do. So uh, yeah, Diesel Child, he's wanting to know if we have any recommendations for herbal malarkey or anything else. <laughs> No, that will have a, a straggle us. Well, <laughs> damn it! You took my you took my thunder. Um, <clears throat> he's pre-diabetic, pre-diabetic, and he's trying to keep from getting worse. He eats super healthy. He exercises. What does that daily. mean, though? Yeah, it's all Some people to... say I eat super healthy, but they're eating, you know, yogurt yeah. and stuff, which is healthy, but it's got a lot of it's carbohydrates. Sugar, yeah. Yeah. If it's you know, if it's not sugar-free, yeah. And et cetera, et cetera. So I'd be interested to know what he means by he eats super healthy. Yeah, because some foods convert to sugar really quickly in your bloodstream, mm-hmm. and you just don't realize it. And it's healthy food. Yeah. But but um yeah, but he says he's not overweight or anything, but I guess he is okay. pre-diabetic. So just real quick, a couple of recommendations. Yeah. Um, you know, um, believe it or not, a stragglers does work really God well. Damn you! <laughs> it does. I swear, it's been shown in, in research to work. Hey, I should be getting a bill for that. I should be getting a bill. Um, well, that's because you're an idiot. I know. Certainly, cinnamon has been shown to help. Okay. With 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 blood sugar. Oh, uh, with uh, insulin resistance, you mean? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, as far as helping people keep their blood sugars under control. Okay. Um, and the other one is, um, um, oh God, I want to say black cosh. It's not black cosh. No. It's black. Um, Hmm. Current black current black oh, okay. current oil black hmm. current oil has been has been proven scientifically. This is not your old buddy, Doctor Scott, just making yeah. shit yeah. up, which I usually do. But this is true. Black current oil has been shown to help um, with people with prediabetes to keep their blood sugars under control. Okay, so here's cinnamon use in type two diabetes: an updated systematic review and meta analysis. So you can buy cinnamon this in is a in, capsule. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. This is in Anna. Um, Annals of Family Medicine, not a shit, you know, turd journal. And uh, they did, uh, you know, he's kind of, Dr. Scott's holding his finger. I got my fingers crossed. <laughs> so a meta-analysis, remember, is where you take smaller data sets and you mush them together and uh, try to make a bigger data set. So they did a meta-analysis of 10 
randomized controlled trials so that they took with an average of about 54 patients, they made it into 543 patients, and they had cinnamon doses of 120 milligrams uh, per day to 6 grams per day for 4 to 18 weeks. So they were looking at all kinds of different things. Well, look at this. The consumption of cinnamon was associated with statistically significant decrease in levels of fasting plasma glucose, <laughs> total cholesterol, LDC, and triglyceride levels, and an increase in, in good cholesterol, HDLC levels. But no significant effect on hemoglobin A1C was found. Now, yeah. so hemoglobin A1C is your average blood sugar. So the question arises, cinnamon, yeah, seems to decrease people. It's probably improving their insulin sensitivity, but does it do it enough to have a clinically significant effect? Because we don't care what your blood sugar is. What we do care about is long-term effects of high blood sugar, which are heart attacks, stroke, and stuff like that, kidney failure. Those are the three big ones. So does it have any effect on that? Uh, it's interesting. But, you know, in the short term, particularly in an insulin-resistant uh, pre-diabetic person, why not? I don't think it hurt anything mm. unless, it, unless it just tears your stomach up. Mm. I'd like to see the adverse effects that they had. Um, the other thing is, and definitely don't snort it. And don't <laughs> no. take it no. in a teaspoon like no. Erock did. No. On the, uh, just go, mm -mm. go Google Erock Opie and Anthony uh, Cinnamon Challenge if you want to see somebody that looks like he was almost going to die. That was bad. So, um, but I would highly recommend, I don't know what, again, don't know what your definition of eating healthy is. When you're pre-diabetic, eating healthy means low glycemic index diet. So you don't necessarily have to go low carb, but you can go low glycemic index. I used to teach it people this way, no white bread, but brown bread, dense brown bread. It's got to be the dense, dense, dense brown bread. No white pasta, but you can have whole wheat pasta. No white rice, but brown rice. And no white potatoes, but, you know, sweet, but you could have yams. So none of the white stuff you can have. You can have anything but that. And that'll get you started on a low glycemic index diet because what that does is those things are absorbed more slowly. So you get less of a peak of insulin and therefore you get less resultant insulin insensitivity down the road because the body doesn't like those peaks of insulin. So they'll just go, I'm not going to listen to you anymore. Uh, and then if that doesn't do it, then a low carb diet will almost always cure type two diabetes if it's done properly. Mm -hmm. And that done properly means lots of green leafy vegetables, you know, fresh vegetables, you can have fruit and lean animal protein. So, you know, a grilled chicken salad with, um, you know, spinach and greens and carrots and tomatoes, stuff like that. Perfectly healthy kind of meal that you could have and is also a very low-carb type of uh, meal. So anyway, what do you think of that? I like it. All right. So, Dr. Scott, you've got a question from the waiting room, I understand. Yes, this is from Taylor Adventures. And the question is, what our thoughts are about this year's um, – flu vaccines are we going to get them and how effective yeah. are they same as they are every year yeah. get your fucking flu shot yeah. um, even the year when it was only six percent effective because they had missed the the prevailing mutant mm -hmm. um, i got influenza that year had a fever 105 um, took relenza which is the or you know the inhaled version of tamiflu and uh, just sailed right through it watched four seasons of arrow <laughs> on the CW during the day. Drove his wife crazy. Well, Tacey was at work, and uh, there was, it was easy. Yeah. You know, COVID kicked my ass way worse, and I was only sick for one day with it. Yeah. So what's what? you've had your flu shots already? Uh, well, okay, so I am in the Pfizer trial uh, again Okay. with the Pfizer trials. Um, I got the influenza mRNA vaccine. Gotcha. And so we'll just, by God, see. Yeah. I have no idea. Well, I, I have know. had my flu shot. Tacey's had hers. Sore afterwards? Sick afterwards? No, I, I didn't really. have anything. No, I didn't notice anything. Cool. Yeah, I think I'm going to try to get mine tomorrow. And I got my bivalent, or as Jimmy Dore calls it, is my bivalent. My bivalent. <laughs> uh, my bi You're ambivalent. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 
Jimmy. He's oh Larry's one of the smartest people on the internet, but he has trouble pronouncing things. And um, anybody who knows Kurt Metzger, will you tweet at him and say that they need to get and just tell him they need to get me on that show? I want to get on there. I got a couple of things to say to him. Um, but uh, yeah, so every year they have to estimate based on what's going on in the southern hemisphere what what uh, antigens to put in the um, the flu vaccine. So the 2021-2022 flu season was way less severe than typical years. And uh, but there were two peaks of flu activity, one in December and then another one in April, and I remember that. And they were th- thinking it was just had to do with relaxing of social distancing. And then, uh, in you know, January and March, people were social distancing because of Omicron variant. And then they relaxed and it came back. Uh, but flu transmission rates in other countries are lower than usual so far this year. Um, flu transmission in the southern hemisphere countries like Australia can help predict what ours should be, and they've been having a milder flu season than usual, so hopefully that will well, be the case I for read us Australia was, was awful this year. I'll have to read. Which year are you reading? Uh, it's 2022-23. Hmm. I'll have to read. I read it so was the awful. flu vaccine doesn't protect against all strains of the flu. It's still recommended for everyone over the age of six months. It's typically about 40 to 60% effective, but the thing is, even if you got to define effective, Effective from getting it or effective from getting sicker and shit from it. And uh, even when it was 6% effective from preventing you from getting it, it kept me out of the hospital and most of the people that had the vaccine. It seems to be bad here. Yeah. I don't know how bad it is. I mean, people are getting it, but we're not seeing it in the hospital. You know, again, you got to define what bad means. Are you talking about cases or are you talking about hospitalizations and deaths, you know? I'm just talking about people getting it. Yeah, no, I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. Well, more people are going to get it because we uh, really put a dent in influenza uh, due to social distancing. Matter of fact, we killed one of the strains of influenza that used to circulate all the time. It hasn't been seen in year two years now. So we will uh, see how things go. If you are over 65, the high-dose quadrivalent flu zone a.k.a. the high-dose flu shot, probably gives you better protection. And people who are over 65 are usually more vulnerable to influenza, but not always. When swine flu came around, those of us that were around for the swine flu epidemic in 1972, I think, mm-hmm. had already had it. And uh, so the old pe- the old fuckers were just walking around, <laughs> you whippersnappers and your flu. <laughs> and everybody else was getting the flu, but we weren't. Bunch of softies. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, the uh, flu mist is a live attenuated influenza for people ages 2 and between 2 and 49 and it has weakened versions of the flu virus and is supposed to give you better protection but the last couple of years it hasn't been available because it just wasn't targeted properly i believe it is back this year the the dirty little secret about that is if your kids get the flu mist which liam and beck could get that instead of the shot if they wanted to taste they will pass it to everybody in the house Mm -hmm. it's communicable Mm -hmm. and so everybody you know oh you should only give it to people between 2 and 49 but it you know the 60 70 year old in the family is going to get it anyway Mm -hmm. so you know it's a little bit of a what you call a medical legal trick there dr scott i hear you but no matter what i i just really the benefits to the flu shot outweigh the risk and you know our buddy uh, Richard David Smith who is the founder with his wife Shatai of uh, Hyperphysics check them out H-Y-P-E-R-F-I-Z-Z-I-C-S which is billed or sold as a uh, an energy drink for nerds he was like one of those I ain't getting my flu shot and he ended up on the ventilator almost left us so now he is quite the proponent of the influenza vaccine. And uh, I, I can't agree with him more. I'm just glad he did okay. Yes, you, Jeff. But he's a nice guy. He and his wife both came to the studio. They're quite uh, Did quite she delightful. make us like chocolate chip cookies or something? No, that was, uh, was Stacy's wife, I think. Oh. Uh, 
Yeah. Uh, Richard's wife, uh, they had the two kids that were here, mm-hmm. and then they gave us a couple of cases of the sugar-free hyperphysics, yeah. which yeah. I quite enjoyed. Yeah. It's my favorite energy drink. I just can't find it around here. Yeah. All right. Anything else? I believe I'll do her. Is that it from the waiting room, really? Yeah. All right. We're going to play some music after? Yeah, let's play some All right, let's do it. We can butcher something. Okay, well, let's get the hell out of here then. Uh, thanks to everyone uh, for uh, taking, you know, hanging out with us. And uh, listen to our SiriusXM show on the Faction Talk channel, SiriusXM channel 103, Saturdays at 7 p.m. Eastern, Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern, on demand, and other times at Jim McClure's pleasure. And thanks to our listeners, particularly those that hang out with us in the waiting room while we're recording this abortion. Um, and <laughs> our listeners' voicemails and topic ideas make this job very easy. Go to our website at drsteve.com for schedules, podcasts, and other crap. Until next time, check your stupid nuts for lumps. Quit smoking, get off your asses, and get some exercise. We'll see you in one week for the next edition of Weird Medicine. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Today's episode is brought to you by Angie. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs and projects done well. Let me tell you, there's the version of it where you try to do something at home and then there's a version of it where you have someone help you, you watch them do it the right way and you go, thank God I didn't try to do that myself. I have fully done things around the home that I think look good and then a bang in the night and I wake up to a shelf collapsing, a painting falling off the wall. Like it, I've, I've seen it all go south. I own a home and I can tell you... I know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Whatever your home project, big or small, indoor or outdoor, you can Angie that and connect with skilled professionals to get the project done well. Right now, one of my wish lists is I want a bike for my condo in Milwaukee and I would love to rig it up on a pulley in the ceiling because I have one of those like lofted ceilings, but I'm so scared to try that on my own. Angie has 20 years of home experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app. Answer a few questions and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.